The presidential motorcade had just passed through heavy crowds in downtown Dallas and was circling through the fringes of the business district when three shots suddenly rang out. Destroying the media lies and dismantling the narratives. One story at a time. It's the Adrian Slate Show. The unintended consequences of choices we make. The unintended consequences of policy positions that we decide to enact. The left never thinks of these. (laughs) I'm Adrian Slade. Thanks for tuning in. The left does not think of what the outgrowth of some of their ideas would be. You know, when they think of ideas, they they, they think of them in a very binary fashion. We do this, this will happen. And they think it's because they've controlled the entire thought process. And they think everybody is of the same mindset. They think of it in in a monolithic fashion. They don't think of the fact that people have free will. People have different views. People have different angles of looking at things. People will react in certain ways that are unexpected. They don't think of those outgrowths and those reactions. They don't war game those. They only think if we do this, this will happen. We do this, that'll happen. We can get to our end game here. And it happens a lot. It's almost like when you talk to the person who is really good at cooking. You know, in fact, I worked in business for years before I, after I left the music industry and broadcasting, which I did around the same time, both at, you know, one and the same. And then I moved into business administration before my career that I'm into now. I dealt with a lot of different types of businesses, whether they were retail, whether they were restaurants, food service, what have you. And one of the things that used to kill me were people that were really good cooks that you knew, uh, somebody that's just really good in the kitchen. And they always said, you know, I'd love to open my own restaurant. That would be so great. And I sit there and think to myself, you sure about that? Do you really understand that you have to get there uh, probably once a month to do inventory at 6 a.m. on every item that you have for accounting reasons? Do you really take into the effect? Uh, do you really take into the idea that even though your restaurant isn't open for lunch until maybe 11 in the morning, you're there at five or six prepping all the items that are going to be required in the items that you sell? Do you take into the fact that, uh, that you'll be there through both the lunch rush and the dinner rush to make sure things go smoothly? Do you take in to effect the idea that, oh, well, it's closed. I don't really trust everybody that I've hired. I've got, you know, you kind of want to keep your ear to the ground. You kind of want to keep your toe in, in the water so that somebody that you hired that you thought you can trust doesn't skim money off the top. Do you realize you're going to be there doing the financial end of it until late in the evening, if not middle of the night? maybe even cleaning, all that stuff goes out the window. We don't talk. They just see the binary side of, man, I know how to cook. I'd love to be able to just cook for a living and everybody love my food. But it's all the unintended 
things that come with it. It's almost like my time in playing music. In fact, it dovetails with the doc, uh, a documentary my wife and I saw. It was uh, on Kurt Cobain, lead singer from Nirvana. And it was called Montage of Heck. It's on HBO Max. It was really eye-opening and interesting. It gives you the upbringing and the background mentally behind Kurt Cobain, which you can see why he turned into what he turned into. But think of it from a rock star perspective. Everybody's like, oh, I want to play music for a living. I want to be a rock star. And in fact, my group, we got very close a number of times to where I had brushes of fame, brushes with fame, where we would be out on the road. We would open for a band that was pretty popular in a certain area. I wouldn't say we'd blow them off the stage, but we definitely made an impact. We would have people lined up getting our autographs, treating us like we were famous rock stars, taking us to parties, what have you. Um, but it was a weird feeling to the point where I got more comfortable doing studio work because I enjoyed the creativity side where when we would do the live stuff, you know, the live shows, it was fun performing and being in my position, I was a little bit more in the background because of the instrument that I play. You're not seeing me as much as the lead singer or the lead guitarist, but watching them get bombarded and then even myself get bombarded without even the level of exposure that I had being a drummer. Um, it was really surreal to the point where it was very uncomfortable and strange. Now multiply that by a million, like what happened with Kurt Cobain, where you went from a garage band that was just playing your local circuit to suddenly recording an album and instantly overnight, you're not even seeing money from it. You're not even seeing uh, any residual effects. You're still in the mindset of like a child. You're still in the mindset of a garage band and you're instantly famous overnight to where you're playing in Tokyo to thousands of people. You're on MTV. You're on the top 100. You're number one on billboard charts. And they had this feeling like, he would even talk about it to where he really wanted to get to that point. But then when he got there, did you really want it? These are the unintended consequences that I'm talking about. So liberalism is kind of similar in that fashion because what they want and then what they think that it takes to get to what they want, they don't realize the pushback, the other reactions to it, the things that happen, the outgrowth of what they try to fight for, they don't factor that into their thinking. So you take what's happening with this whole idea of coronavirus vaccine uh, passports, because that's now in the news right now. And so their goal is they go, OK, we need to get everyone locked down because the coronavirus is scary and we need, to, we need to make sure we take this seriously. We don't want people to die, so we have to destroy your livelihood. We have to impair your child's mental well-being because we're going to force them away from school. We're going to shut down your church. All of this because of the name, all in the name of the scary virus. And then they go, well, how can we get back to normal? Well, we need everybody to take this experimental vaccine that we don't really know the long-term effects of it. And the technology behind it's fairly new. It's not even FDA approved, but we got to make this happen quick. Well, what are we going to do? We need everybody to take the vaccine. 
which, you know, I've had talks of this on the podcast before. I don't know what's in it. I don't know what it does. I'm skeptical. But everybody has to do it. And the only way we get to herd immunity is 100% of the people have to have the vaccination. Well, how do we get the vaccination? Well, how about we issue passports and no one can go and engage in commerce, go to see live music, attend events, go to sporting events without the vaccine. They can't do business. Sounds very Mark of the Beast, which is really funny because that was actually trending on Twitter uh, as we speak. Mark of the Beast. (laughs) Because the Mark of the Beast is the Mark. You got to remember the Beast in the Bible is the state. It's not this giant monstrosity that's coming to get you with seven heads and looks like the devil on the, uh, you know, on the uh, ham spread with the little pitchfork and the, you know, it's this, this is the state is the beast. When they talk about the beast in the Bible, they talk about the various different beasts and those different beasts were the Roman empire, the, you, you know, the, 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 the European empire, the, all the empires throughout history and the one that they consider that's happening or will happen in the future, a global empire. Well, that mark would be how you would be able to engage in commerce. So uh, I, do I blame them for thinking the COVID-19 passport is the precursor to that? And that would trend on Twitter? Sure. Because look at what the Free Beacon has put out about COVID-19 tracking apps and COVID-19 vaccination passports. Joe Biden's COVID team appears to have entertained an electronic test and trace program pioneered by the University of Illinois that would have let businesses deny service to patrons based on their health data. A PowerPoint presentation obtained by the Washington Free Beacon shows this. The program has eerie echoes of China's surveillance system, which uses data from citizens' phones to impose quarantines. A PowerPoint produced by the school suggests Scaling up the university's intrusive contact tracing system for use across the United States, its file name, 2020-1214 Shield Biden COVID team, indicates that it was presented to the Biden team in December amid an ongoing search for solutions to a seemingly insolvable problem, how to stop the virus without stopping the economy. The presentation was uh, proffered the answer. The school system uses a mobile app that records test results and Bluetooth data to determine who has been exposed to the virus and links building access on campuses of that information. Local businesses have also embraced it, making entry conditional on safe status, reading from the app. Now, see, that's where the libertarian argument comes into play because they want to say, well, you know, if the government doesn't impose it, well, a business should be allowed to do it. And keep in mind the Excelsior Pass that they're trying to push in New York about traveling and being able to go on vacations in New York, issued by Cuomo, your vaccination passport. That information is supposedly housed in a blockchain with IBM. IBM has a history of working with the German government back during World War II. Oh, yeah, the Nazis. Yeah, they worked with the Nazis back in the day. Um. So that's concerning, but you have to realize, think of back in the 80s, back when HIV, AIDS was a big deal. People were so worried. You can't, you know, you got to watch out for people that have it. They might spread it. You can't 
kiss somebody. Remember, there was a show with Corky, the uh, kid with Down syndrome, and they mined this territory. I can't remember the name of the show, but his sister ends up dating this kid who has HIV and they want to kiss, but they can't kiss because she might get it and she would die. And it was really scary to where it was such a disease, uh, such an outbreak that no one understood that they were worried that you could contract it at any moment. Similar to what we were dealing with in the beginning of the COVID scare, when you saw videos of people in China being welded into homes, people just dying in the middle of the street, walking out in the street and collapsing and dying and You had trucks driving down the street, shooting like Lysol disinfectant in the air. Well, that didn't come to America, but then when it started to, everybody got concerned because of the same kind of mindset. Ooh, could I catch it? Asymptomatic spread might get it to me and I might die? Like it was Ebola or something. And the same thing happened with the HIV uh, situation. But the difference was, because it started out in the homosexual community, that was looked at as, ooh, well, we can't discriminate. We can't use somebody's uh, sexual lifestyle as a reason to discriminate because a lot of people in Hollywood and the music industry were being affected by it. Rock Hudson, uh, Freddie Mercury, what have you. Oh, but the, you know, we can't have our industry be tainted and smeared by this disease. So you got into certain things like HIPAA laws. They weren't going to allow you to be discriminated over your medical history. Yet now we're embracing that like it's some great way out. I mean, and and criminals are actually getting in on this action already from Summit News. Fake vaccine passports are already being sold on the street. Fake vaccine passports are already being sold on criminals uh, by criminals, according to TV personality chef Andrew Gruel, who follows me on Twitter, and I follow him, he's great, who, who said he saw it happen. Earlier this week, it was revealed that the Biden administration had been working on tech companies and nonprofits to create a vaccine passport. According to CNN, the vaccine passports, which could be ready in weeks, would be a condition of the United States returning to normalcy. However, it appears that street scammers have already beaten the government to the case. Um. <laughs> He had said, had to work late last night, walked through a back alley to get my car. There were two shady guys selling fake vaccine passports out of the back of a Cadillac. A market is born. And he's right. We're already seeing this happen. And and that's the thing. You know, right now they're talking about how migrants, illegal immigrants caught down at the border aren't being tested for this. They're not going to be subject to the migrant Uh, or to a vaccine passport, they're migrants. So they're just going to be allowed to do what they want to do. And then they get other special perks. Think of this breaking over 1000 young girl refugees from the Southern border have taken home at a San Diego convention center. They will be receiving in-person education. Meanwhile, all of the schools are still closed here in San Diego for American girls. That's right. From KUSI teachers will be sent to a San Diego convention center to provide in-person learning for the migrants being sheltered there. Oh, I thought that meant all the teachers are going to die if they go back in the classroom. But many schools across San Diego have yet to resume in-person classes. And this is from the supervisor of the school board in San Diego. The San Diego County Board of Education will be sending teachers for in-person learning 
to the migrant children at the convention center. It's great. There's in-person learning for them. I wish every child in San Diego was allowed the same opportunity. So would we. We would really like that. We would like that nationwide. But yet, your kids are going to have to zoom it on in. (laughs) I mean, you're not going to be able to go. I mean, and then we have to sit there and go, oh, our benevolent government wouldn't do anything shady with the vaccination passport. I mean, how does anyone think that the same government who wrecked businesses and livelihoods, jailing protesters, people like surf, uh, surfers and paddleboarders and people running hair salons and tattoo parlors, they're all jailed. Protesters at the Capitol are jailed. But then we're going to allow violent thugs to burn cities while they're taking your tax money in the name of COVID relief and giving it to Pakistan for gender studies. Yeah, I'm sure they'd be good stewards of your information. And you know what? Spare me with the libertarian argument about, oh, well, you know, it's a private business. Private businesses get to do what they want to do. Yeah. You know what? The global vaccination push, um, are private businesses going to be allowed to allow those with HIV into their business? I mean, it's a private business. Can they force people with the flu to show like a patient first receipt? to shop in their building? I mean, where does it end? Apparently they can even discriminate against you over political ideologies, but it's a private business. Will you need your voting history card to engage in commerce with businesses? Wonder if private businesses will ask to see if your child received the polio vaccine to engage in commerce. I mean, my kids have, but there's a ton of organic anti-vaxxers Those nuts who are out there thinking their kids might become autistic over vaccinations, you can just ask Jenny McCarthy about that. So when it goes to selecting customers, the businesses will allow, based on their desired political leanings, will they demand a social media password card so that they can decide if your political beliefs will allow you to use, say, like, AWS Amazon web hosting for your own platform, or maybe MasterCard will demand it if you decide you want to sell firearms because it's a private business. You see, we can always engage in commerce elsewhere until a coalition of businesses decides to unite to force us into their political ideology. And then you're screwed over, uh, you know, discrimination. But keep in mind also that we are going to have our rights imposed by businesses over the fact that we need to be vaccinated just so we can exist in society when we might be healthy. We might not need the vaccination, which means we don't need the vaccination ID. But if we need vaccination ID, then we should probably have voter ID, which they're protesting down in Georgia. Same big business wants to eliminate commerce in the state of Georgia because Georgia doesn't want electioneering, which the left is going, oh, they they don't want you to have water. You might... You might be parched in line while you're waiting to vote. Ten, less than 10 years ago, we had people dying of IED explosions in Iraq after some of them were holding up their blue fingers because they were able to vote for the first time. And we're sitting there bitching about being parched. We can't get water. No, they don't want electioneering. They don't want tampering of people uh, trying to vote. They don't want influence happening. And then we get... Major League Baseball deciding, well, you know, voter ID is racist, even though vaccination ID is not. You know, COVID ID, fine. Vaccinate, uh, voter ID, racist. MLB All-Stars are going to decide, eh, maybe we don't take our game there. Or this is from Call to Activism. No more films in Georgia. 
Upcoming Indiana Jones director James Mangold boycotts Georgia after the restrictive new law, to which Mark Hamill from Star Wars said, absolutely. Well, you know why you're able to make those cheap movies and TV shows in Georgia? Because they tax the crap out of you in California and put regulations up your behind. So now you're going to go to Georgia You're going to take advantage of the low tax rates and the lack of regulations, and then you're going to demand your will to be upon them politically. Screw you. Go back to California, you socialist hacks. But that's what we're dealing with. I mean, it's crazy that we're not looking at bigger pictures, like with the gun bans, which we'll get into in here in a second. But the Unintended, unintended consequences of what can happen with a vaccine, vaccination passport. And it's, they're, again, they're holding your freedoms hostage. And until you comply with the state and give up yourself for experimental vaccines, then they'll give you a passport and you'll be able to return to freedom. Your natural rights will be restored based off of freedom. It's pretty freaking ridiculous, if you ask me. What's interesting is what Rasha and Gapa. Uh, what she tweeted, she said, don't want a vaccine passport? Fine. How about a tax for those who refuse to get vaccinated? Proportional to the additional cost and burdens they impose on society as a result of needing to have the freedom to spread their potentially COVID variant infected aerosol everywhere. Of course, we keep going on about my variants. We got the Tuscaloosa variant. We got the UK variant. We got the Ghana variant. The Easter Island variant, no one has seen whether or not these variants are real or even if they are something that we have to be concerned about. But my buddy, Peculiar Baptist, again, uh, he's been all over this. He said, this is a great idea, Asha Rangapa. However, you're not going far enough. We definitely need to enact a fat tax in order to offset the additional cost and burdens of those obese, uh, the, the of." The burdens the obese impose on society, specifically in the area of the immense health care costs they incur, to which I responded, yeah, why don't we have a consumption tax to regulate behavior? That's the totalitarian Chinese model we've been governed upon. I mean, this whole thing has been insane. And with businesses jumping in on the vaccine passport, you've got you know restaurants out in L.A. saying you got to show us your vax card. And, you know, they're all about getting in on this whole thing. Remember, business is going to be the one to dictate and implement public policy that your statist overlords find, you know, a little difficult to legislate or to will into existence by executive order. I mean, it's crazy. You've got illegals not being tested. They're getting in-person teaching and they're being released back into the public while we're having to walk around with coronavirus passports And show us your papers. The unintended consequences that roll out from these things are the fact that it will be used for other things. It'll be used for climate change. It'll be used for uh, regulating whether or not you have the right ideology, like I talked about earlier. You think that's not going to happen? Look at ESG scores. Look up what government uh, is looking to partner with business for business to will upon you. You know, they couldn't legislate these things because it would be pro-communist. But a business can go under the libertarian banner of 
I'm a private business, so I can discriminate all I want, although they can't discriminate on an LGBTQ person or a black individual or somebody who's handicapped. But you know what? We don't like your ideology, Georgia. We don't like your voting ideology. So we're going to pull our Major League Baseball All-Star game, and we're going to film Indiana Jones somewhere else back in a moment. This is Adrian Slade. So remember, gang, the goal is to create the global union, the United Nations of Davos, as I like to call it. And one of the first things they had to do is get Trump out of the way. They're working on Benjamin Netanyahu. They really wanted to get the leader of Brazil out. So in America, they've installed their new leader. And then they've redistributed wealth because they destroyed the economy. Because that's another step. You have to minimize the economic stature of our government. Because that's the only way it's going to comport into a global union. If you are a strong United States, then you're not going to want to go in on a global union. You want to make America great, not the globe. So they had to move him out of the way, steal the election, install the new leader, destroy the economy to get it to that point. Have a ton of people unemployed like it typically is under Obama, under Jimmy Carter. It would have been under Clinton had the industrial revolution of the technological sector not boom out of the blue, along with the contract of America with Newt Gingrich. But then you've passed out tax money all over the place to redistribute the wealth. You've got the child tax credits coming up that are going to be, oddly enough, on the average, a UBI, a universal basic income, You've reshuffled the population from Syria into the uh, EU, and now you're doing it from Central America into the United States. And so what do you do next? (laughs) Well, (laughs) Summit News had this. 24 world leaders call for more globalism in the wake of the pandemic. Um, The UK Prime Minister Boris Johnson, German Chancellor Angela Merkel, and French President Emmanuel Macron, all three were involved in destroying Syria, by the way, under the premise of us eliminating Bashar al-Assad, which if you listen to my podcast, you know I've debunked that a million times over. They're the leading figures behind the pledge with 21 other heads of state signing a letter. It states nobody is safe until everyone is safe and that a global community must further be implemented in order to combat inevitable future pandemics. Quote, at a time when COVID-19 has exploited our weaknesses and divisions, we must seize this opportunity and come together as a global community for peaceful cooperation that extends beyond this crisis. Building our capacities and systems to do this will take time and a required a a sustained political, financial, and societal commitment over many years. So remember, ESG scores are environmental Uh, social justice and governance scores that financial institutions and organizations are going to use to weaponize against whether or not you're doing proper investing, if you're doing proper uh, business practices. The 2030 agenda is coming up, and the Build Back Better global initiative that Trudeau, Biden, and everybody else is saying that was based on a term translated from an Asian, uh, Asian slogan, That's why it sounds so clunky, build back better. This is all what they're doing. The letter compares the situation to the aftermath of the Second World War and urges an end to isolationism and nationalism. See, nationalism, again, is what I like to call sovereigntist or being sovereign. 
We enjoy our sovereignty. That doesn't mean we cut off from free trade with other nations. That, that means we renegotiate trade deals that are in our favor, as Trump was doing. But that's why they had to move, remove them. And these are the unintended consequences because the rise in nationalism in America, in Israel, in Hungary, in Poland, it's building a backlash. And again, these are unintended consequences of Democrats and statists and those who believe in a centralized, top-down government. The most amazing part of this entire article is this part. The pledge calls for strengthening of the World Health Organization's infrastructure despite the global health's body documented failures in regards to the pandemic and continued charges that it has facilitated the communist Chinese government's lies and deceptions. The WHO Director General Dr. Tedros Andrum um, also signed the letter having re repeatedly slammed nations, including Britain and the U.S., for putting their own populations first when it comes to recovery. The letter specifically calls for a global treaty on pandemics to be signed to establish internal or international rules and norms for vaccination production and distribution, as well as coordination on alert systems, data sharing and research. Guaranteed it's going to go further because Trump pulled us out of the WHO and now they're pushing us right back in it. And the WHO has been compromised by China because it's an arm of China. He owns the leader of the WHO, who is a politician from Ethiopia, to which China has tons of influence. So this is going to be really, really insane to watch play out over the years because we see where it's all going. And there's going to be unintended consequences for push, pushing us into this global union because there's going to be a lot of people that don't want it. And it's not going to happen easily. And you may think that you can push us in to whatever utopia you think you can design, but it's not going to happen quickly and easily and without some pushback. And that, that's the unintended consequences. Speaking of unintended consequences, installing a leader and then propping up his persona by going out and getting some rescue dogs um, that are unvetted, you know, these German shepherds, yeah, that's going to have unintended consequences because you're going, oh, look at our new leader that no one really voted for, but yet he's now the winner and we've installed him like Chuck Schumer and him had said they were going to do. Oh, he's got two dogs. And look at how cute the dogs are. The dog psychic says they can't wait to get in the White House. A um, major dog bit somebody and then bit someone again. That's right. Major dog biting again. Second bite. And then <laughs> the unintended consequence, uh, consequences of getting two dogs is the fact that one of them Dropped a deuce in the Oval Office. That's right. One of them left a steaming pile. A big old turd log. Which one was it? I don't know. They're all pointing at each other going, I didn't do it. Ah, he did it. I didn't do it. <laughs> Those are unintended consequences. The unintended consequences of what Secretary of Transportation Pete Buttigieg wants to do. He's got two things that I wanted to address. The first being the unintended consequences of what they're pushing as far as a motorist tax. They want to tax the motorist by the mile, a three to four trillion infrastructure plan. 
Listen to Pete Buttigieg talk about this. What about a mileage-based tax? So I think that shows a lot of promise. If, if we believe in that so-called user pays principle, the idea that part of how we pay for roads is you pay based on how much you drive, uh, the gas tax used to be the obvious way to do it. It's not anymore. So a so-called vehicle miles traveled tax or mileage tax, whatever you want to call it, could be a way to do it. So Pete Buttigieg, Secretary of Transportation and presidential candidate against Vice President Mike Pence, this guy has decided he great idea. We're just going to tax people on the miles they drive. You know, we used to tax you on the gas you use. I think part of that is due to the fact that people are driving electric cars. Lots of Teslas on the road these days. People are buying the Chevy Volt, the Prius. You know, it's it's pushed people to get electric cars. That gas tax has gone down. What are you going to tax on the charge? Uh, I think you're. Uh, public utilities, your power company's already doing that. So let's charge you by the mile you drive. That'll encourage driving. That'll encourage trucking. That'll encourage your commute. You know, those that live in the D.C. area that can't afford to live outside of D.C., they can't afford to live in Alexandria and Fairfax County. They have to live in Luray, an hour away. Yeah, I'm sure they'll want to pay the driving tax. Certainly. And those in New York have already been through this. Listen to this from the New York Post. Residents in congestion pricing zones are fuming over new taxes. Motorists living inside Manhattan's new congestion pricing zone could get socked with even the same fee as any other driver, even if they've never left the zone, according to a report that was put out. Robert Mujica who is the state budget director, said it would be up to Traffic Review Mobility Board to come up with a structure of how to deal with the intrazone moves. Is there a charge, any charge, or what would the charge be? The six-person panel, which will be appointed by the MTA Bridges and Tunnels with just one member recommended by Bill de Blasio, will deal with the pricing issues. They defended the potential plan to charge a 61st Street residents uh, block for driving around their own neighborhoods as a matter of fairness to outside commuters. So they were charging commuters to come in and out of an area in New York city because it's congested and there's a lot of high demand to drive in those areas. So they figured we'll just charge people a tax to go through those and people are pissed about going through it because now that's going to affect them on, on taxes and the fees it requires for them to drive through it. But on top of that, it's going to require the people that live within that area to also have to pay higher taxes just to commute around where they live. Unintended consequences. The same thing's going to happen when you tax people on driving. And of course, they'll say, well, you know what? You can just use public transportation. Uh, Maybe I don't want to use public transportation. Maybe I want the autonomy of having my own vehicle, the freedom to drive where I want to drive. Oh, well, you'll have to pay for that. Why should I have to pay for that? Of course, Pete Buttigieg is pushing for this light rail dream or fast rail dream. This is from Vox, V-O-X. Gen Z's high-speed rail meme dream explain have you ever seen that high-speed uh, high rail map on Twitter? Gen Z is hoping President Biden has. Kara only has about 700 followers on Twitter. The 20-year-old frequently garners a handful of likes under con- content, which consistently, mostly, is filled of takes of pop culture and singing videos. But when she tweeted a popular image of a potential U.S. high-speed rail map in January, she said, I want her so effing much 
Her Twitter uh, quickly went viral, earning over 185,000 likes and more than 500,000 retweets, which I'm sure that was organic and not pushed up by Jack Dorsey and the leftist agenda that they want to portray as being trending topics on Twitter. Such is the popularity among Gen Zers of high-speed rail. We look at other countries that have good examples of it, and we wonder why our country can't do that, Kara said. Why do they always idolize other countries? They do that with gun control in Japan, which we'll get to in a second. It seems like a simple solution that we can find the reasons as to why we're not doing it. For members of the young online on the left, the high-speed rail map has become a uh, ubiquitous fixture of politics for Twitter. Created by a graphic designer, Alfred Tu, in 2013, the map depicts a system of interconnected high-speed rail lines linking Los Angeles to New York and Minneapolis to Miami, among other projects. The map has been tweeted out by a tiny tiny group of personal accounts and the Sunrise Movement alike. It has its share of problems. The proposed rail lines go right through tribal lands. Oh, that's the big concern. Never mind the concern that there is no railway through the uh, upper northwest but they're going to pay for it out of their taxes you know it's it that's the thing they don't think of the unintended consequences i mean dreaming big for transportation that they don't have to own that's the gen zer model right there i don't want to own anything but i want to rent everything you know like the world economic forum said in 2030 you'll own nothing and you'll like it where private property rights determine freedom. That is why the Indians sold us the land in America, because they thought it was funny that we wanted to buy it from them because they didn't think anyone could personally own it. And then as they sold it to us more and more, they realized, uh, not a good idea. They can own it and they can defend it. (laughs) And the transportation, they don't have to own They can just, you know, they don't have to purchase it. They don't have to procure financing for it. They don't need to keep maintenance up on it. In other words, no responsibility for an asset that provides ultimate freedom. That's what the gas tax is. That's why oil is such a big driving force of freedom throughout the world, because you have mobility. You can ship things. You can go places. You can do things. You can create things. But that's Gen Z summed up, to which my friend Susan, she said, um, with nowhere to be, sure, it'll take a cross-country train trip about three weeks. <laughs> and this should be a pre-buy situation. You know, if you're going to use the rail, then you have to buy it. And anyone that doesn't want should be able to opt out. Because you know what? I mean, I can fly if I want to, you know? Maybe they can purchase shares in it and become stakeholders and they could be co-owners, and then they could be co-opt and run by the workers like they always want to do. And then they can pay to ride the crap that they built, but not with my tax money. Your freedom is at the whims of the government who operates the train. So what happens when COVID-20, COVID-21, COVID-2030 hits America? Well, they'll just shut the train down. And guess what? You don't have the ability to get around if that is your mode of transportation. You have to get on your bike, or you're going to have to put your shoes on and huff it. And when it's shut down, freedom is abbreviated, even gone. And then when they want to open it back up, it's going to be rationed out due to limited capacity, 25% capacity here. We got to make sure we shut it down so we can clean it. Just like any other commodity under socialism, that's what's going to happen. And Virginia's looking at it too. I'm looking at a report from Governor Ralph Northam where he's talking about how, uh, you know, the 
governor is announcing a multi-billion dollar plan for rail expansion. So that's going to be great. He's going to be gone soon, and hopefully so. But, you know, the driving tax, that's going to have outgrowth effects, unintended consequences, again, of liberal action. Because the binary choice is, the view is, oh, I just want to look at getting on transportation I don't own and the freedom to go anywhere. And they don't look at what that does to other people. The driving tax that Andrew Cuomo proposes impacts students and faculty. And this is actually from uh, Wall Street News. The New York legislature will vote on a driving tax proposal to combat New York City's uh, traffic congestion. If passed, drivers will be charged up to $11.52 when driving in high congestion areas of Manhattan. And those hailing taxis and transportation services, such as Uber, would face a surcharge of $2 to $5 per ride on top of what you're paying. The congestion pricing plan was proposed by Andrew Cuomo, the governor of New York, in hopes of relieving New York's severe traffic congestion and raising revenue to improve the city's deteriorating subway system. Yeah, (laughs) that's what's going to happen. Unintended consequences. It's like the gun bans. The unintended consequences of gun bans. This is the binary choice again. The liberals, guns kill people. Look at what happened in Boulder, Colorado when the... When the... White Syrian shot and killed those people at the grocery store. If he didn't have a gun, no one would have been able to get shot. Look at what happened when the sex addict, not a white supremacist, killed those Asians and not all Asians. There was a couple white women, too, that were uh, masseuses over his sex addiction. Oh, well, if we didn't have any guns, they wouldn't have been killed. Um... Like what happened in Virginia Beach. Everybody was messaging me going, oh my gosh, did you see the mass shooting in Virginia Beach? Which realize right now they're elevating all these shooting events so that they can create an aura of unfettered gun violence on the rise. Everybody was messaging me and come to find out it was two separate disputes. One was a domestic dispute that went awry, which was tragic nonetheless. And we pray for those victims and their families. But it was an incident, none like what happened last year, in tw- or actually in 2019, at the Virginia Beach Oceanfront. And in 2013, when they all came down for Black College Weekend and caused riots, to which Pharrell Williams of NERD and of Pharrell Williams' fame, uh, he decided he was going to mitigate those kind of events by creating a new festival called Something in the Water Festival, which was a success and put it on the same weekend as Black College Weekend, which has had a consistent reputation for violence in Virginia Beach. And then the other shooting was a cop that was engaging with somebody who was related to that first shooting event, and an accident occurred, and there was a shot, uh, shooting match between the police. But they wanted to make it seem like it was a mass shooting event, like somebody just came down there and started spraying innocent people with a gun. And people were like, well, you know what? We should just be like other countries. Again, like the light rail, like the train. Let's let's be like other countries. They put out this video, and this is the World Economic Forum. Again, they hate freedom. They want socialism globally. They want that global union. They're the ones behind the United Nations of Davos we were talking about. Listen to this. 
This is how hard it is to buy a gun in Japan. First, you must take firearms classes and a written exam. Then you go to a doctor for a mental health exam. Then a history of drug use rules out owning a gun. Then you must apply for shooting lessons. After that, explain to the police why you even need a gun. If the police are satisfied, you must pass a personal criminal history review, during which many other details are also checked, including debt levels. Oh, you better have good credit. Better pay your bills on time or you can't have a gun. And your relationship with your friends and family is going to be looked at. And then to obtain a gunpowder permit, you got to take a one-day training class, and take a, uh, including passing the firing test, and then get a certificate for the gun you want. And then you got to use the gun for hunting. You'll have to apply for a hunting license. After that, you'll have to buy a, uh, a safe that you can put your gun in that meets strict safety regulations. And then you got to let the police examine your gun case. At this point, there's another background review, and if you pass that, you can buy a gun. And Japan has one of the lowest crime rates in the world for gun violence, which is other garbage. But that's what they want to do. <laughs> You've got to go through that to have your natural right to defend yourself that the, the founders saw as a necessary right given to you by God, the ability to defend yourself against a tyrannical government where the World Economic Forum wants to build a global tyrannic government. And we're seeing it inch left and right. So these unintended consequences are going to pan out regardless of the utopian designers. They're still going to push for what they want. And what are we going to do? <laughs> we're either going to push back, which is something they don't foresee, or we're going to put a mask on and we're going to hide in our homes when the government tells us. I'm Adrian Slade. Thanks for tuning in. Check out the podcast, iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Google Play, Spreaker, iHeart, Overcast. Tune in. Get the free Roku channel in your streaming store. Search Adrian Slade. Check out the blog, adriansladeshow.com. You, uh, you can also donate to the show if you'd like to financially support us. Anchor.fm slash Adrian Slade slash support. Call us and leave a message for the show. 1-929-GO-GO-USA. God bless. We'll see you next time.